Hello and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 95th episode, our returning guest is Lynn Walsh. You first heard Lynn Walsh on episodes 49 and 61 of the podcast. Lynn Walsh is an Emmy Award-winning journalist who has worked in investigative data and TV journalism at the national level, as well as locally in California, Ohio, Texas, and Florida. Lynn is a digital explorer working to help companies, newsrooms, and organizations engage the public through ethical content, no matter the medium or purpose. She's an international speaker and trainer working to encourage ethical content creation, access and transparency, social media engagement, digital innovation, and free expression rights for all. She believes strongly in government transparency, holding the powerful accountable, and spends more time than she would like fighting for access to public information. Currently, she is the project manager for the Trusty News Project, where she works to help rebuild trust between journalists and the public by working with newsrooms to be more transparent about how they do their jobs. She serves on the National Board for the Society of Professional Journalists, and during her term as national president for the organization, spoke out against the threats to the First Amendment while working to protect and defend journalists and journalism. She also serves the journalism organization as a member of SPJ's FOI and Ethics Committees. Lynn was also selected to represent SPJ on the Freedom of Information Act Advisory Committee, where she works to recommend changes to help improve the FOIA process. Also, The Rob Burgess Show now has a newsletter. Surprise! I promise not to bother you more than every seven days or so. And I promise to make it worth your while. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then... Respond to the automatic message. It hit. I oh, know. I'm serious. Hit pause now. Do it. I'll wait. Are you good? Oh, you're back. Great. Thank you so much for signing up. And now on to the show. Hello, this is Lynn. Hey, it's Rob. How are you? Hey, good. How's it going? Oh, good. Good. How was uh, your trip? It was good. Cool. Yeah. yeah it was not, was a nice a nice break. Um, you know, quick vacation. So yeah. Excellent. Yeah. When you uh, texted that to me, I literally it was it was negative five degrees here in Indiana, oh. and I just scraped off a half an inch of ice off my car, and I was just like, <laughs> "Oh, that's wonderful. Tell me more." <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. I know it's like. I don't want, I didn't, I haven't posted that many photos on, you know, social media because I do, I feel so bad when, you know, my family, you know, is on the East Coast and Midwest and, I mean, temperatures just have been brutal. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. No, no, no problem. But, yeah, thanks for coming back on the show. I'm really excited to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. And I have, how, is 30 minutes enough time? Absolutely. Go yeah, ahead. I'd plan okay, that much cool. time. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, okay. So, uh, you're no longer the acting president of the SP. Uh, but you're the immediate past president now, um, and that's because yes. you were uh, you were term limited. I assume you you weren't thrown out in a yes. coup of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> not not thrown out. No, it's a um, one year one year term. Cool. And um, that's yeah. Just the I'm still on the national board. Mm. So that's how the, the the session you know goes. Um, 
So, yeah, still on the board, just not uh, the, the acting president, but the past president. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Um, and so what is uh, what is the SPJ up to these days? Because obviously the, the press has been much in the news. I mean, we're, we're talking the night of the, the fake news awards. So, I mean, you know, th- right. these things are, are very much, uh, you know, at the forefront right now. So uh, what's, you know, as a SPJ board member, what is kind of your perspective on all that? Yeah, so we're con- still continuing to, one, when things come up or when things are said, whether it's by uh, President Trump or anyone, you know, in the White House or it's any elected official that, that might want to make a comment about fake news or, um, you know, criticize good journalism, good ethical journalism, uh, we do, uh, you know, come in and speak out. Primarily, our message is just, you know, why it's so important as to what journalists do um, and what we do. Um, another big part of something that we really are doing this year is a lot of education and continuing that, which is something that, you know, we did last year, but we're really encouraging our chapters and our members and journalists that are all around the country to go to their local libraries, to, you know, go into classrooms, um, to get with community groups and just hold conversations about what journalists do. Um, you know, talk about, so it's kind of like media literacy because you are, you know, explaining sort of what, you know, what, what the media is and, and what the journalist's role is. But it also just is really, you know, we're really encouraging our members to just, you know, have honest conversations and not be afraid to answer, you know, questions about, you know, how, how they do their jobs. And that's something that's been going really well. Um, like here in San Diego, the local chapter uh, has partnered with the San Diego Library and is doing a bunch of different things surrounding just journalism. So, and all members of the public are invited, um, free events where, you know, yes, they're talking about the First Amendment and free press, but also just things like how we verify our um, our content that we're getting, sources, um, images that we use. So, just things like that so that we can kind of open the door a little bit more about uh, just, you know, what, what journalists do every day. Yeah, definitely. And, and I know you've probably had this experience as a journalist as well. It's just when you interact with the public, sometimes the ideas that they have about how the news gets produced and what the motivations behind that are and, um, you know, what, you know, the difference between an opinion page and, and, you know, the rest of the paper is, you know, just this very basic things that maybe you and I take for granted because we're in the mix every day and people out there, they don't see and they just see article and they don't think, is this an opinion piece? Is this a news article? Um, that, you know, I, I think being very transparent is, is very important in that case, you know, because they just don't know and, and they fill in the blanks with sometimes wrong information. So, uh, Absolutely. And I think the one thing that I think we just have forgot is it's, it's kind of like any, any industry, right? You start talking shop and you talk about um, just, you know, what you do, but we haven't stopped in, in all cases and in most cases really told the public. So why would they know, you know, and, right. and for whatever reason, the perception of and the want and kind of what the public wants has changed a little bit. And they do now want to know like how the sausage is made, you know, they, they mm-hmm. want to know what we're doing. They want to see behind that curtain. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it just is forcing us to, uh, just change 
how we've always done things, really it puts us, you know, we have to be a little vulnerable and not be afraid to, to answer those tough questions and, and share what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's kind of, it turns into a black box for people and they just, they don't see the, the part where it all gets put together and they just see the end mm-hmm. result. And so, yeah, I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, but the uh, Trusting News Project is what you're involved in now, which sounds like a good segue into that. So tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah, so an opportunity came along. Uh, so my work with SPJ, you know, is is volunteer-based, and I, for the last year when I was president, did a lot of outreach, and specifically to the public, that was my goal. And so, you know, really enjoyed it, and I also think that it's something that is just really needed right now for all the reasons that we just talked about. So when this opportunity came up to join the Trusting News Project, I was really, really excited because um, the woman who uh, founded the project, Joy Mayer, um, she, I watched her video and just everything she was saying, I was like, this is exactly what I've been telling journalists for the last year and a half in the public. Um, you know, so the idea is that uh, the Trusting News Project is a nonprofit project it's funded by the Knight Foundation and the Reynolds Journalism Institute. And we um, work with newsrooms all around the country. So that's print newsrooms, uh, online newsrooms, digital, digital newsrooms, and television newsrooms. And we try to help them rebuild trust or build trust in some cases with uh, their journalists, their news organizations, and uh, their communities. And so how do we do that? There are seven strategies, and the seven strategies are based primarily on exactly what we were talking about. Hi there, sorry. That's For okay. whatever reason, the call dropped. <laughs> yeah, it was probably somebody that didn't, didn't trust news and they wanted to shut it down. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really think that's that's important work uh, that you're doing because, uh, like, for all the reasons we talked about, it's just not something – it's something we take for granted and we assume people know and, and they don't necessarily know. So, And, and I don't think uh, any real journalist has a problem with that. I mean, yes, it's uncomfortable because you're not normally used to that kind of scrutiny. But, I mean, I didn't go yeah. into this kind of work to deceive people. I mean, I'm okay being tr- totally transparent about my methods all the time. I, I, right, so, right. You know what I mean? I, I do think, though, because it's not something that necessarily has been something that's commonplace, and like in your everyday reporting role, right? Like mm-hmm. now, on top of just do, acting as a reporter, so finding out information, asking questions, uh, fact-checking, investigating people, you now have to think about, okay, now how am I going to explain my work to the public? So mm-hmm. it's that it's kind of a, it's a different way in some cases of thinking. In some cases, it's absolutely sometimes a different way of writing things. Um, the way, you know, you might introduce a story, a header on top of an article, um, the way you might be sharing on social media. Um, so it's not that, you know, I don't think people are against it. I think it's just it's a change in how we're doing things. In some cases, it's a little more work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, you know, especially when we talk about, you know, talking about your ethics or how decisions are made. In some cases, you know, there are, you know, companies that that do push back a little bit on that just because it does make them more vulnerable in some cases, too. So so there is some of that that goes into it as well. But I, I totally agree with you. I think transparency is... To me, the best policy. So. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. Um, now, you know, of course, I would be kind of remiss if we didn't talk about the Me Too movement a little bit uh, during this time mm-hmm. period, and especially in media. Um, and you're, you know, a working woman in media, so you have your own perspective mm-hmm. on it. But what, what's been your take on all this, especially as it relates to media? Because there's certainly been a shakeup in many areas. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not surprised. And I think... Mm-hmm. The industry as a whole, it, it's one that maybe, you know, there are HR practices in that, that exist. I don't know that they're always followed. Um, and that goes kind of a, a gamut of, you know, hours worked, lunches, you know, all sorts of stuff like that, um, to other things that are like harassment. Um, so it, unfortunately, not, not surprised. I am hoping that this is a wake up call to the industry, both at a national, international, local, regional level, um, that people really look at what's happening in newsrooms, um, specifically, uh, power structures, um, you know, it, is there a process in place that people actually do feel comfortable speaking out in, or are they not going to because HR is going to run to, to their boss? You know what I mean? So it's those kind of things that I'm really hoping it, it creates this culture and can help create a culture that we are not afraid to report these things. We are not afraid to stand up when we see them um, and that then hopefully we can weed out some of what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think of it as, you know, this is the first time women are being believed about things that they've been saying for a long time. And, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a man, it kind of seems like a lot, but at the same time, it's all just because it's happening. You know, it's it's a backlog. There's a lot of things that, that have happened up to now, and, and it's all just kind of coming out. Um, as far as reporting on the Me Too thing, I think that's, that's difficult, too, because uh, people kind of see it as kind of a he said, she said thing. And, you know, how do, how do we, because there, there are stories and, and people's experiences that need to be heard. How do, how do we as journalists, like, air those in a responsible way? Yeah, that's why I think it's so important to really look at, you know, ethics, ethics codes that exist. SPJ has one of them, but then also the codes that exist that you as a journalist believe in and in practice that exist within your newsroom, because it is so important. You know, you have a lot of things going on with just your sources, right? If you just look at the people involved, um, look at the potential harm either way that can happen to a victim, um, to a survivor, to um, someone who's being accused, right? I mean, there are issues mm-hmm. surrounding all of that. So, I mean, when you talk about something like a minimized harm, which is something that, you know, journalists think about when they're publishing stories, like how can you minimize the amount of harm to this survivor, to this victim? Um, you know, does, does the harm that may be caused out outweigh uh, the public's right to know, or does the public's right to know outweigh the harm that's going to be caused? So I think in these situations, that conversation is so important to have and should be happening in, on every story, especially on this story. Then I think also the fact-checking and the going beyond just what a source says, which again is something that journalists do every day, mm-hmm. but in this case, when it is just he said, she said, in some cases, you know, how else can you verify that that, that person was there at that time when you're checking employment records, you're checking maybe lunch receipts? I mean, you know, all sorts of different things. Are there flights that they can kind of point to that then can back that up? And I do think, you know, you have to do that due diligence. And sometimes it's, you know, not comfortable to do that to someone who's telling you that, you know, they were just through this horrific situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that as journalists, I think, you know, 
know, we, we do have to do. And I think also we have to, you know, go with our guts too. I mean, you know, when you've been a journalist and you've covered and talked to enough people, you know, you, you can kind of tell when someone's telling the truth and when someone's not. And I think if you get something that says, oh, this doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. I think that's a red flag. Um, and not to be afraid to tell an editor that, right, or to tell someone else, raise that red flag. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think you don't have to look any further than the Washington Post's uh, handling of the uh, Project Veritas situation, you know, to see how that right. works. And, you know, by doing that, by being diligent, by, you know, kind of like you said, detecting when someone's not being completely honest with you, they protected the stories of all the people who really did have something to say. You know what I mean? So, you know, that yeah. that didn't, you know, delegitimize them because they were careful. Yeah, and, and something else I think that which that was interesting and I think also important is, you know, they really let the the user, the viewer, the reader behind the lens mm-hmm. to walk them through what they were doing, what they were thinking. And I think that is so important on these stories is, you know, if, <clears throat> if you think something is questionable, you know, talk about why you went ahead and published the information, what did you do to kind of confirm it beyond just what the individual said? And not to be afraid to give that. And it doesn't have to be necessarily in the main bar of the story, but just in some form of reporting. I think that's so essential with this. What documents did you check? Who else did you talk to? You know, how did you confirm this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, speaking of uh, deciding whether or not to uh, put something on air or publish something, um, a lot of newsrooms have been dealing with the situation of uh, Donald Trump's comments about, um, you know, certain countries, and uh, <laughs> it's it's caused quite a dilemma, and it's, it's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. as with the Access Hollywood thing, you know, because they it's something that, you know, a figure, and now the president has said, um, but I, I feel like, it, I don't know, I'm, I'm torn because I want to be truthful about what's happening, and I don't want to euphemize anything. Um, if you start introducing these words and these phrases into the culture, it's like the Overton window. It's like what's acceptable in society changes and then we can never go back. So it's like you're playing into that game if you if you do that. So I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about that? I'm really like a torn. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it depends on who's saying it. And in this mm. case, you know, um, he was running for president, now is president, right? So, and I think in what setting was it set? I mean, if he was and and what is it about? I mean, if he says those same words and was watching a football game and it had nothing to do with, like, race or where someone was from, mm-hmm. is that as something that rises to a level that's reportable? I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Obviously, he is the... Sorry about that. No problem. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So, so I think you know it depends on who's saying it. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on what context it's being said and in what the words are referring to. So, I think when you're thinking about all of that, in the case of the most recent comments, I mean, you're dealing with something that was said during a meeting, um, a business, mm-hmm. you know, meeting. It. it dealt with um, immigration. Um, I mean, I think it was worthwhile 
to publish, um, you know, coming from the president talking about policy. Um, I don't think it was something that's too inside baseball or just kind of like gossipy at all. Um, I think it does apply. But again, if, you know, they're at courtside at a basketball game and mm-hmm. something like that, I don't know. To me, that's like not as it's not as important um, if it's just, you know, a curse word and it doesn't have that context of um, race or um, applying to like an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I know you got to go here in a minute, and uh, I yeah. really appreciate you uh, coming back on. Um, is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you'd want to get in there before we go? I don't think so. When is this going? Well, the only thing I was going to think, when does this uh, air? On Friday. Okay, so the one thing just to plug for people in Los Angeles, uh, next Sorry, my phone is totally dropping service, and I don't know why. No, um, I, I don't I, care what the Russians I, do. I, we're going to finish this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, sorry. That's okay. In Los Angeles... Yes, in Los Angeles, there is um, a reading of All the President's Men on um, next Saturday by the cast of West Wing. Nice. Um, And so people in the Los Angeles area, definitely something to check out. Very cool. Uh, Have you been listening to the Slow Burn podcast about the uh, Watergate? I have not, but I need to check that out, I guess. Yeah, I haven't either, but (laughs) I'm excited to check it out. I have not. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I will add it to my list. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.
If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. And if you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Until next time.